Hi, and welcome to the Work-Related Podcast with Liz Ryan. That's me. And uh, this is episode 17. We're talking about a really popular topic, which is how do I motivate my team? I would say on the management and leadership, the employer side of my inbox, probably 40% of the queries that I get have to do with motivating a team. How do I motivate this team? And um, that's what we're going to talk about in some depth today in the podcast. So the very first thing I would tell you if your question is, how do I motivate a team, is to change the way you think about motivation. You see a lot of job ads. Actually, you see a lot of resumes. You still see a lot of resumes full of 1980s-style boilerplate language. And you've probably heard me talk about this a lot of times. One of the most popular terms in the boilerplate corporate speak zombie language resume uh, lexicon, one of the most popular terms is motivated self-starter. People call themselves in their resume a motivated self-starter. And of course, I don't want you to call yourself that. That's that's just, anybody could say that. It doesn't mean anything. But we have to ask, why did people start calling themselves a motivated self-starter in their resume? And we know the answer. It's because they saw that phrase in job ads. And you still see it all the time in job ads. We're looking for a motivated self-starter. So we got to start right there. We're going to talk about motivation. Because we really fundamentally misunderstand what motivation is and how to get it. Using a phrase like that in a job ad, motivated, self-starter, needed for a growing whatever, whatever company. This is the idea that you're going to hire a person and their motivation to do this work, their motivation is just with them as a permanent attribute like red hair or brown eyes, right? Or whatever, they're six foot tall and they can't change that. Motivation is not like that. So the idea of, I would, I would almost say that phrase motivated self-starter in a job ad is a red flag for candidates because it says, why, why are you saying that? Don't you trust that the role itself and our relationship, you and me, you, the manager, me, an employee on the team and the environment are going to create the conditions for me to do an amazing job? Are you putting that on me? I have to show up motivated? Yeah, I'm motivated. Of course, if I take a new job, I'm not taking a job in order to not have a good time and not be in the zone and in flow and doing my best work, of course. But I'm nervous about the fact that you put that on me you haven't even met me and you're saying you have to show up motivated, it causes me to wonder whether there's some condition or set of conditions in your workplace that keeps people from being motivated naturally. Because I have to tell you something, people are motivated naturally under the right conditions. It isn't something you have to work at. I was a manager in corporate America for 20 years and startups. And I never thought about how do I motivate these people? 
because you don't have to think about that when the work itself and the environment and the energy and the relationships are conducive to having everybody feeling good about being there. And that's what motivation is. It's just feeling good. We don't have to do anything to get people to be motivated because people are naturally motivated when things are interesting. Now look, everything we know about little children and play is that play is fun for kids when it is when it is when it uses their brains and their heart and they're into it. And we see them two years old, three years old, before two years old, doing work, things that would count as work if they were grown-ups, helping their family around the house and, and helping in the yard and doing things that count as work because it's fun to, to do things that are important and that need to be done and things that we get better at the more that we do them. And everybody's different, right? Some people hate doing dishes and some people hate doing laundry and we all have things we like better than, than other things that we do. But, but work can be fun and should be fun more often than not. And when we allow people the freedom to bring their hearts and their brains and their, their brilliance and their enthusiasm and their ideas to work, of course it's fun. That's what motivates people is the work and the environment and the relationships. So if you feel that you need to do something to motivate employees, you already have a problem. People naturally get attached to things. I can't tell you how many working people over the years have told me, I, I, I got into this job and they didn't even deserve it, but I got into it for my own sake. Yes, that's what people do. They get into their work because it's an expression of them. It's part of them. It doesn't, I mean, I hope it's an interesting and, you know, creative job, but if it, even if it's not, I remember being a young office person and getting into what I called the administrative clickety clack, right? Remember if you're, you don't even have to be my age. You might remember a stack of papers and these go in here and then the green folder and then the staple and we put it over there. There's a satisfaction. It's kind of rote. You're just doing it over and over, but you're doing it well and it has to be done and you're taking charge. And it's just like a little kid in the backyard stacking up rocks to say, I'm making a little rock pile, you know, that'll, that'll one day become a great creation, architectural creation. You're doing the work and you're into it, even, even despite yourself, even sometimes when you're not treated that well, or you don't like your coworkers, you're just like, okay, well, let me do this thing. I got to, I got to weigh these nuts here, sitting here in the back of the health food store. One of my first jobs as a high schooler, miserable environment, but you still by myself sitting there with the, with the scale and the scoop and the plastic bags, whatever they were, paper bags and weighing out the almonds or the cashews that came in bulk from the supplier. Well, let me just do this. And you get into a kind of a rhythm and it's fine and it's enough. And we get into our work. If there's any shred of opportunity to put our own stamp on it, all the better. Motivation is not something you can ask employees for and expect them to deliver to you. It is a result. It is an outcome. It's a factor of the environment. So if you're talking about how do I motivate employees, we got to back up the truck and say, why do you have a problem with that? There is a blockage. 
there is a force field keeping people from their natural connection to reasonably interesting things that they do at work that they would be as motivated as you need them to be. Now, you may have an unrealistic expectation or your boss or their boss or somebody may have an unrealistic expectation about what people should be producing. And that will kill motivation faster than almost anything. Remember the story, the, 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 the fairy tale, the goose that laid the golden egg? There was a goose that started laying these golden eggs. They were literally gold. And the farmer, whoever owned the goose, was like, what? These eggs are gold. These eggs are worth so much money. I want this goose to keep laying these golden eggs because, you know, this is going to make my fortune, my family's fortune. So what do they do? They start putting pressure on the goose. Come on, goose. Got to lay faster. Well, goose immediately stops laying golden eggs. I don't remember the whole story. You'll have to look it up. But I've drawn a couple of uh, images of that goose because it's such an important message for us as leaders you, you know the goose is laying golden eggs you step back you give the goose what they want and decide what's a golden egg because when you say oh these eggs are gold i really want platinum buy that's not how it works when the vegetables don't come up in the garden no smart farmer blames the lettuce they look at the soil conditions they look at the level of sunlight these uh, little plantings are getting, or these seeds, they look at the irrigation. Come on, we create all the conditions at work so we cannot say, how do I get these employees to do X, Y, or Z? How do I get them to be more motivated? Allow them to be motivated. Allow it. Promote it. Don't put in your job ads, motivated self-starter needed. That's anyone under the right conditions. If you're hiring for motivation, you're hiring all wrong. Buy my books and learn how to do it. Or, or you know, take a course, whatever. But motivation is not something you plaster on top of a team or a person. It's something that comes out and, and it's almost unstoppable. Because people get bored and they don't want to be bored and things are less boring when, they, when they're attached to it. People want to connect to their power source at work, and that's what we can allow them and, and encourage them to do, their power source. We don't have to make a table. It's not something we put in a spreadsheet. What is Susie's power source, and what is Charles's power source? It's individual, it's personal, and it changes from day to day. You're not going to track that. It's not particles. It's a wave. Think about waves rather than particles. Is Susie happy? Is Susie telling you she's thrilled to be doing this new project? She might not always be thrilled to be doing this type of work, but she is right now. It's a new experience. Yay, good for you, Susie. That's a brilliant. How can I help you? That's how you allow Susie to connect to her personal power source and bring her absolute best to work and, and feel the best. And same with Charles and the same with everyone else on your team. I had a brilliant, brilliant voice teacher in Chicago Winifred, Winifred Fakes Brown, she's a famous soprano, incredible coach and teacher and mentor, and all of those things. Very, very wise. And she said, being a voice teacher is not a matter of adding anything on. It's a matter of helping a singer remove impediments, tension in the jaw, tension in the throat, tension in the 
singer's mind about what their sound should sound like, judging themselves, right? All of these things, it's allowing their natural, beautiful, natural voice to come out, taking away impediments, taking away roadblocks, to let that sound come out freely and beautifully. And it's the same thing at work. We're not adding anything on. We're not doing anything to the team. You're allowing, you're allowing the natural motivation that people find in the most unlikely circumstances. You're allowing that to come out by creating an environment where people feel valued, where they're acknowledged, where they're given as much latitude as possible over the job. We do not need to be so fussy and say, no, you can't put your stamp on that email. You can't personalize that at all. You can't personalize anything about the job. It has to be done this way. Well, then you should automate it, get a machine because people are different than machines and they want to plug into their power source. And it's so easy to let them do that. It's cheaper and it's faster and it's more healthy. It's just better. This is why I started our company, Human Workplace, because as a manager and a human resources uh, leader, I saw that it's just so much smarter. It's better business to lead with a human voice and to lead people as people and not as machine parts, right? We don't have to slice and dice everything. You know, one thing that kills motivation, a big impediment is daily metrics. What's the point of the daily metrics? It's to make somebody higher up the chain happy by seeing that we're on target. It's a, literally a matter of not trusting a manager who says we're ahead or we're behind. No, no, no. I need you to break down daily metrics by employee. And how about hourly? Why don't you give me hourly? What's next? Measuring the respiration, measuring breath. To have, I mean, people work with electrodes all over their bodies and we're going to measure their heart rate. I mean, Eventually you have to trust. You either have to trust or you just can't lead. You just can't lead without trust. Because if you try to lead without trust, you end up not leading and you end up just measuring. Measuring and probing and evaluating. And that's not leading. And you will never get anything interesting, much less cool or innovative or collaborative out of that type of environment. Get rid of the daily metrics that are, when they exist, just make work. A person has to stop in their flow, in the zone, on their path, zooming down the path, excited about working on this product design or talking to a customer later or having a really cool review meeting or, 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 or dreaming up big dreams. They're excited, but you kill the excitement and you say, no, 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 you have to report uh, on a daily basis. You have to report all these things. You have to stop the action, stop the flow, stop the energy, little lettuce seed, right? And you have to tell me how you're doing and you have to meet these numbers. So in other words, we take what could be a creative and, and really warm and mushy and awesome and colorful job and assignment, a meaty assignment, and we break it down into little piece parts. We don't want you to have the whole assignment or to think about your role that way or to think about your relationships with your customers and your coworkers and all this great wave related stuff. We want you to look at the particles and just manage little particles and just be in the role like anybody else would do this role. There's nothing special about you, nothing that you have to contribute beyond just these little cells in these spreadsheets, and uh, and that's what we want. Now, that's going to kill motivation. Here are some other things. Impediments to remove because they kill motivation. They kill the spark. They kill any opportunity at teamwork. They kill innovation. All right. Internal competition for the purpose of just 
maybe everybody will work a little harder if we make them compete with each other, especially if there's punishment attached. I mean, goodbye. Then it's over. You close the tent, right? You just pack up your tent. You're done. You're out of business. Stupid. We're going to have our team compete with each other instead of facing forward, looking out at the landscape, the competitive ecosystem, and, and helping our company compete there. No, no. We're going to compete against one another. Great. That's when you get the med students spitting each other's Petri dish, you know, to foil somebody's uh, experiment and all that type of stuff. Yeah, that's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. We don't need that pointless competition just to rev up the troops. No, goodbye. Stop. Another impediment to motivation is when people get shut down. When they have ideas, they suggest ideas. No, no, no. That's above your station. You don't get to suggest that. You have nothing to say about that. That's your manager's decision. Well, that kills the motivation. They could have walked in that the door as the biggest motivated self-starter in the world and their motivation's dead now. Why should they care? Why should their brain be engaged at all or their heart in this work if they're told, no, 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 get back in your place? No, that's going to kill motivation, right? It's going to kill motivation if we don't recognize people's contributions. When, when sometimes, you know, somebody's told, you got you to gotta work on this thing. I know it's going to take some time on the weekend, and I'm sorry to ask you for that, but we got to have this for Monday morning. And then they do it, and they put in the time on the weekend, and then their boss says, oh, I forgot to tell you we don't need that. Sorry. Okay, so I don't even matter to the point that you even remember that you asked me to take time on the weekend to do this project. Oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. So I'm basically now a part in a machine and, you know. It's weird, though, because we actually treat equipment much better than people at work. Regular maintenance and so on. Regular upgrades. Hmm. Food for thought. But that's another way to kill motivation. A really huge way to kill motivation is to say one thing to one person and something different to someone else. Play team members against one another. It happens every day. Great way to kill motivation is to just not give people the information they need to do their job. So they say, well, when are we going to have, you know, the sales forecast? I have to have that in order to, no, that's, you're not privy to that. Okay, well then why should I care about any of this stuff? Shutting people down, keeping them out. You see a, a theme here, right? You see a pattern. We kill motivation. We can't look at our employees and say, why aren't you motivated? Because we killed their motivation. That's the only reason an artificial, man-made, people-made impediment, right? It would be the only reason for someone to show up at work and, and not be motivated. There is a reason for that. And it's on us as managers and leaders. And the reason I say that is because it's so easy to remove these impediments. We just have to be willing to do it. Turf battles. What's that? That's bad communication. We haven't clarified who's responsible for what going to kill motivation right manager who's obsessed with metrics obsessed with policies and the and the fear-based side of of this whole thing instead of reinforcing and acknowledging people and helping them and asking them what they need and asking them for their input that fear-based type of management of course is going to kill motivation so so instead of thinking how do i motivate my team think how do I remove the blockers, the energy blockers that are in my environment now? Because if they were not there, motivation wouldn't even be on your radar screen. So that's what you got to think about. And, and in terms of an activity, 
I would talk with your employees one-on-one and say, what do you need from me? Not what do you need from me to increase your output? And then that minimizes them. That just says, I don't care about you. It's just output. You say, what do you need from me? Just what do you need from me? How can I help you? How can I support you? What can I do for you? And do it often, at least once a week. What can I do for you? What do you need? What do you need? You're a coach and they're out on the field playing the game and you are in the in the dugout or wherever coaches hang in other sports. You're not playing the game. They are. So you say, how can I support you? How can I support you in winning today? 